I will never forget how hard it was for me to watch my then two-year-old son get his first shots. Even though I knew they were for his own good, it was all I could do not to snatch that syringe from the nurse's hand. For a brief moment, I was filled with complete fury. It was the first time I understood what the term mama bear really meant. The instinct to protect our children is something most parents can relate to, but not all. Today's episode is about a woman who had Munchausen by proxy and not only harmed her own children, but others as well. And she did it right under the nose of some very good doctors. Here's a little bit of background on how this disorder was discovered. In 1951, Dr. Richard Asher described a strange phenomenon he called Munchausen syndrome, in which a perfectly healthy person would fake illness, invent symptoms, or even tamper with lab results to pretend to be sick. The payoff was the sympathy and attention from nurses and doctors. He named the syndrome after Baron Karl Friedrich von Munchausen, a German nobleman who served in the Russian army in the mid-1700s and was well known for his tall tales, such as riding on cannonballs and traveling to the moon. In 1977, Dr. Roy Meadows was the first to describe Munchausen syndrome by proxy, which was similar to Munchausen syndrome except for one very big difference. The sufferer pretended to be sick, invented symptoms or induced illness in another person to draw attention and sympathy unto themselves. 21 years before Munchausen by proxy was formally recognized, Army wife Martha Woods was already practicing what Dr. Meadows preached. In this episode, we'll take a look at serial killer Martha Woods and the seven children who lost their lives so she could look like a hero. The life of a military spouse can be unpredictable when frequent moves with little notice become the norm. That was certainly the case for Martha Woods, who faithfully followed her Army Sergeant husband from city to city and across the United States. Finding a sense of stability might have been challenging with so much change, but one thing seemed to remain mysteriously constant for Martha through it all. Between 1946 and 1969, Martha had witnessed nearly 30 respiratory attacks by infants or children in her care. Some of these children had died. With a fatality record like that, Martha either had to be the most unlucky caretaker in the world, or something much worse. It always seemed to happen the same way. Martha would burst into the nearest hospital, panicked and desperate, clutching an unconscious child in her arms. In every instance, Martha had been alone with the child, and each time, Martha claimed, the child suddenly stopped breathing. To the hospital staff, Martha seemed extremely concerned and highly distressed. Doctors, who were clueless as to what had caused the incidents, were usually able to revive and stabilize the child, who they would then send home with Martha. But Martha always came back, sometimes just hours later and with the same child, saying it had happened again. This is exactly what happened on August 4th, 1969, when Martha rushed into the house with a child struggling to breathe. This time it was her foster son, seven-month-old Paul David Woods. He was gasping for air and turning blue from a lack of oxygen. 
but fortunately he responded well to mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. The doctor sent him home with Martha when he was stable, but she returned again that day, and then three more times in the following two weeks. Sadly, on August 20th, the day of his last emergency room visit, Paul went into a coma. He died on September 21st, just before turning eight months old. Baby Paul was the seventh child who died in Martha's care over a 23-year period. The victims included three of her own children, a nephew, a niece, a neighbor's child, and of course, baby Paul. In 1969, the term Sudden Infant Death Syndrome, or SIDS, was a standard diagnosis for what happened when a baby under two had stopped breathing. As a result, the first six of Martha's murders were listed as natural, even though the symptoms were consistent with manual suffocation. Now many experts believe that the SIDS explanation has been overused by doctors, sometimes even creating a handy alibi for serial killers like Martha Woods. Martha's cross-country murder spree was able to go unnoticed for so long because she was constantly on the move, dutifully following her husband to each new army base. It was also less common for doctors working in different locations back then to compare medical records, making it difficult to link her sequential crimes. Even so, had Martha stopped harming after baby Paul, she might have gotten away with her crimes. But perhaps, just like an addict craves a drug, Martha needed the attention and sympathy she received from playing the role of the concerned and loving caretaker. Just a month after baby Paul's tragic death, Martha was back at John Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore. This time, she brought her two-year-old adopted daughter Judy into the ER, complaining that she was having trouble breathing. This time, though, a doctor noticed that something wasn't right. Why would two children who were not biologically related have the same unusual symptoms? One had just died, and now the same mother was reporting similar life-threatening symptoms in a child who was certainly too old to have SIDS. Although he was a young doctor, Dr. Douglas Kerr's suspicions led him to convince Martha into admitting Judy to the hospital. He wanted to make sure she was safe and also buy some time so he could review the medical and death records of the other child. As he investigated, Dr. Kerr discovered that all of the children in her care had been perfectly happy, but had deteriorated suddenly and inexplicably, and always when they were alone with Martha. Martha tried to deflect suspicion away from herself by making up stories about vengeful biological parents coming for the children she adopted. She complained of strange vehicles sneaking past her house at odd hours of the night. She told police that Judy's parents had come to her home and threatened to burn her house down. Martha went so far as to pour flammable liquid around a bedroom to prove to Army CID investigators that they had been there and were trying to kill her family. However, the agents found that Judy's parents lived out of state and had been nowhere near Baltimore. They suspected that Martha had staged the scene herself and dismissed her claims as a hoax. The walls were finally closing in on Martha Woods, and authorities were on to her. Altogether, police calculated that nine children had suffered a total of 27 life-threatening respiratory attacks, with seven resulting in death. They arrested Martha, and after putting her through an extensive psychological evaluation, found her competent to stand trial. Martha was finally forced to answer for her actions. In 1972, she was charged with the first-degree murder of baby Paul. 
Because the crime was committed at the Army base, the trial was held in federal court. The national media descended upon the Baltimore courtroom, bringing notoriety to the now infamous Mother from Hell. Experts on SIDS were brought in to testify on Martha's behalf in an attempt to portray her as a grieving mother. The defense argued that Martha was a victim herself, two times over, once a victim for losing her child and now victimized herself by the criminal justice system, accused of a crime she did not commit. The greatest obstacle facing the prosecution was convincing a jury that a mother could take the life of her own child. They thought that the only way they could show the jury who Martha Woods really was and convince them of what she did was to present evidence of the deadly pattern to Woods' history of harming children over and over. Their strategy of presenting pattern evidence was novel and unprecedented. This type of pattern evidence had not been utilized before in any court. In order to present the evidence of the previous children's deaths, the prosecutors needed the judge's permission. Reluctantly, the judge admitted into evidence the deaths of the other children, but only because he had already admitted the SIDS evidence as one explanation of what had happened to Paul, and the prosecutors were arguing that while SIDS could explain one death, it sure couldn't explain six others. Prosecutors argued that it was mathematically impossible for one mother to have so many children experience SIDS over a 23-year period. It was like getting struck by lightning, not just once, but seven times. Prosecutors won their argument and got the chance to lay out evidence of Martha's macabre pattern. During the six-month trial, prosecutors built their case with the help of Dr. Vincent DeMaio, an Army forensic pathologist. DeMaio testified that baby Paul's death could not have resulted from an accident or natural causes. In fact, it was his strong opinion that because of the deaths of the other children under Wood's care, he had no doubt that baby Paul had been murdered. The jury convicted Martha for the murder and mistreatment of her eight-month-old foster son, Paul David Woods, along with seven other charges of assault with intent to murder. She was sentenced to life in prison plus 75 years. However, Martha wasn't so quick to accept the judgment. She appealed the ruling, arguing that the use of pattern evidence was unconstitutional. Martha maintained that the six other alleged murders should have not been admitted as evidence because they had not been proven beyond a reasonable doubt. A federal appeals court rejected Martha's appeal and supported the strategy of using the other deaths to prove a pattern or criminal signature. This established the precedent of using signature evidence in other criminal trials, which is now a standard strategy. Martha Wood's conviction didn't just change the legal landscape, however. Prior to this case, most people thought of child killers as evil men who abducted children they didn't know off the streets, often for sexual purposes. Martha Wood showed the public that multiple murderers can wear many faces, even that of a doting caretaker. Martha Woods remained in prison until her death on April 20, 2002. Her husband Harry stood by her the entire time, believing in her innocence until he died in 2013. Though the Martha Wood story has ended, Munchausen by proxy has not. Over the years, it has been given other names, medical child abuse, factitious disorder imposed on another. There have also been other guilty faces. Lacey Spears, who was convicted of accidentally poisoning her five-year-old son with salt through an unnecessary feeding tube after years of medical child abuse. And most recently, Dee Dee Blanchard, 
who was ultimately murdered by her daughter, Gypsy Rose, and her boyfriend, who forced her daughter to use a wheelchair and feeding tube even though she was healthy. And sadly, some desperate parents of really sick children fell under unnecessary suspicion as well. Fortunately, Munchausen by proxy is extremely rare, affecting at most one child out of every 50,000. However, it can be very difficult to detect, and if left unchecked, can be deadly. If you'd like more information about Munchausen by proxy, please watch for my segment in our upcoming featured crime analysis. And if you are worried that someone you know might have it, you can call the Child Help National Child Abuse Hotline at 1-800-422-4453. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Unmasking a Murderer. I'd love for you to subscribe to our channel and tell your friends about us. Also, if there's a case you'd like us to cover, please let us know. See you next time when we try to unmask another murderer.